Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill building courses for you to choose from because the steps that you choose to take today will help you to love what you do in the future. And that's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're answering your listener questions. That's right, Joel. This is our Ask How to Money episode where every other Monday we answer five listener questions. And today we have one from a listener and she is feeling a little discouraged because she's not reaching her financial goals as quickly as she thought she would. We have some suggestions for her. Another listener is uh, he's asking about some of the different free tax preparation software uh, that's out there that's available. He wanted to get our thoughts on those. And another listener is wondering if uh, it's possible to be too old to invest in stocks. Uh, so I'm looking forward to those three plus a couple others, man. That's like being too old to go to Toys R Us, man. You're never too old. You're, you're always a Toys R Us kid. Are Toys R Us stores <laughs> still open? They, they, well, they went filed for bankruptcy, but I think the name might be being resurrected from the dead and somebody else might be trying to b- build Toys R Us again. I don't know. Most That's, likely Amazon. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Dude, I, I feel like I can literally remember the last time I went into a uh, Toys R Us, spent some of my own hard-earned money on this magic trick thing. Um, back in the 90s, there oh, was I thought this, you were going to say Magic the Gathering cards. Not Magic the Gathering. It was like, uh, no, I was more like wanting to be a magician. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, can hey. very, you can very clearly picture young 12-year-old Matt yeah. doing that kind and of thing, And if the podcast right? doesn't work out, I think I can still be <laughs> something you shoot for. <laughs> but it was, it, there were these uh, like pre-menu, not, yeah, like these toys essentially that were kind of like they were like magic cut shortcuts. Okay. Like it, it allowed you to do magic tricks without all the hard work, without all the sleight of hand practice. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you don't have to actually get good at it. But I wish I could remember what it was called because it, it was pretty popular. They had they had TV commercials. They advertised. All right, I don't remember them, but I'll look it up I and see if I can for Christmas post now. it in the in the show notes. Okay. But, uh, all right, I want to ask you a, a quick frugal or cheap, real quick, because uh, before, we get, on before we get to these listener questions, my both of my girls are starting to play soccer for the first time. They're nine and seven, but interestingly enough, people always mistake them. They think they're twins because they're basically the exact same size, and they wear the exact same shoe size and everything. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when my youngest was like, "Yeah, I'll play soccer too," I was like, "Oh." 
if you guys have games at different times, why don't you guys just share cleats? And uh. my wife was like, what <laughs> are you talking about? Get them each their own pair of cleats. So frugal or cheap to make, <laughs> to make them share cleats. Oh, uh, it depends on how far apart their games are. Because if like the pair of cleats, if they're still sweaty, you uh-huh. know, like, like by the time the second, it makes me think of going to like the, uh, the skating rink. And it's just like, man, you just spray down these roller skates, these quads. You know, like they uh, they get them and they, they oh, like yeah. spray the disinfectant that, that spray, aerosol thing is, yeah. and then they like turn around and give them to you. You're just like, oh, that's that's gross. <laughs> um, similarly, our yeah, our girls are also. I guess one one of our kids is in the same league that yeah. one of your daughters is in. But then one this, of them's in another. One. I don't know. It's a similar conversation that we've had, and so we found one pair of cleats at Goodwill. And these, that's what Kate told me this morning. I was like, okay, that's, yeah. that seems like Dude, that's the, the these, frugal path to go. That's these jokers look like they'd never even been worn. And so we were high-fiving about that. And this is our uh, daughter who is really excited to play soccer. Um, so I don't think it really mattered. Yeah. But for another daughter, she isn't so keen on playing soccer. And Kate and I were talking about it because there was a pair there. and But they kind of looked like boys' cleats. Uh-huh. So they were like black and green, definitely not cool or you know cute looking and in her case no glitter no gl- definitely no <laughs> glitter teal as long as i feel like that would have been enough yeah, to, uh, teal would be to good. kind of yeah. win her over but in her case we decided not to get those because she already doesn't really want to play but we're kind of making her <laughs> uh and so we yeah so i guess it depends is what i'm going to say okay. to use it, it, it kind of depends on how excited both of your girls are to play soccer because with our youngest daughter it doesn't i don't think it would matter what kind of cleats we got her she is super excited to play she is committed but the other ones yeah it, not so much so okay All yeah right. are they both really really pumped i mean i think they're both um like halfway pumped okay. I, well i guess my oldest is actually pretty excited so yeah. she's she's pretty into it even though she's never really played before and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes she had her just had her first match but um yeah so all right i'm gonna go to goodwill to look for my my seven-year-old who hasn't yet played a match Boom. and hopefully that'll appease both my daughter and my wife and i won't be a cheap yeah man punk. find you a pair for like five seven bucks yeah. that's, the, that's the way to go okay. i mean especially because like i don't know i guess it was easier for a kindergartner because that seems like it's the age where a lot of kids are trying out soccer for the mm-hmm. first time so they got the slightly smaller feet I think there are a lot of kids who might go to just like a couple games and barely even Bail. run around <laughs> before their parents are like, yeah, this is a total waste of time. So uh, a little bit tougher with older kids. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll report back. Let's Let me know, know how I do. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, move on. Let's mention the beer we're having today on the show. This is called Infrared Eclipse. It's by Rheingeist Brewing. They're out of Ohio, I believe. They, mm. they Since, said, Cincinnati. Yeah. They sent us some beers a while back, but I saw this one on the shelf and I was like, uh, this looks delicious. It's a, a creek, a cherry sour. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll give our thoughts later on in the episode. Not to mention it's caged and corked, which is, it's a, it makes it a little extra fancy. A little when you, elevated. When you, when you pop that top, 100% for that, 100% against bottles that are waxed. Yeah. I hate it. It's just hard to dig in there it's and get just, it open. It sucks. It's a mess. We're, yeah. Whereas the wire, the cork make, makes that nice, satisfying pop. I love yep. it. Agreed. Yep. All right, let's get on. Let's move, move on to the questions that we've got uh, today, Matt, on the show. And if you have a question you want to, you want us to answer on an upcoming Ask HTM episode, we'd love to take it. Just go to howtomoney.com slash ask. There are simple instructions there for you to record a voice memo, send it our way, and hopefully we can take it on the next listener question episode. But Matt, let's hit that first question. This one comes from a listener who says her savings is happening like slow as molasses. Hi, my name is Candice. I'm from Kennesaw, Georgia. My question is about savings goals. I currently save for short-term savings goals in a high-yield savings account where the deposits are split by percentage into different buckets for different goals. So 
I've got buckets for a new vehicle that we're going to need in the next one to two years, a new HVAC system. Ours is old and could go out at any time, as well as some home improvement projects, vacation, things like that. My question is, the way that the savings are being split, it doesn't feel like I'm making any real progress because by the time the deposits are split by the percentages, it just feels like such a small amount of money and the the numbers are going up slowly. So I don't know how I can better prioritize these savings uh, so that I'm making progress towards my overall goals, but I feel like I'm moving a little bit faster towards where I want to be. Any help would be great. Thank you. All right, Candace, thank you so much for your question. And I don't know if you know this or not, but you're right up the road from us. <laughs> uh, so yeah, maybe we'll actually run into you at one of our favorite low-cost grocery stores like uh, Aldi or Costco. Um, <laughs> or Lidl. Where we spend way too much time. Or maybe the disc golf course where I don't spend nearly as much time as I'd like, though. She's not. I mean, I'm not going to say people, she don't, might play disc golf. people don't play disc golf. But yeah, people th- play disc golf. There Matt. are way more folks at Costco than there are the disc golf course. That's I'm, true. And we go to Costco more. They than, need to wake up, though. Hey, Every other the sport of the future. Every other Friday, you can oftentimes find Joel and I both together wandering the aisles of Costco because <laughs> that's when we do a combined uh, pizza movie night with our families. Yeah. And we definitely always You're handing will have... out Meyer lemons typically <laughs> to random people who ask. That was a fun conversation one yeah. time. We're sitting there waiting on our two pizzas for our families. Anyway, enough about that. But Candace, yeah, maybe we'll run into you. And let's get to your question. And first off, I love that you're using a high yield savings account uh, and that specifically you're using buckets to save for some of these specific goals that you've got. So we want everyone to know Candace is doing it right. (laughs) But for others out there who want to do this, who may not know what we're talking about when it comes to savings buckets, uh, specifically Ally, they're the bank that kind of has the best integrated technology that allows you to save like this. Uh, And they pretty much always offer rates that are competitive in the market. I personally bank with Ally and am a huge fan of what it is that they're offering. Uh, But that buckets feature, it makes it really easy to create sinking funds uh, for some of those top priorities, for some of those long-term savings goals. In our household, we call them savings categories. Buckets is way cooler. (laughs) But but it's just such a great place to proactively plan ahead for some of these expenses that you know are going to be coming down the pike. Uh, For instance, it's it's good to point out, like most folks would consider an HVAC replacement to be an emergency. But while it's not cheap, it's definitely something that you can and that you should plan for. Mm -hmm. Candice, kudos to you for looking ahead and knowing that, all right, this, yeah, our AC could go out at any minute. You don't want to be stranded in the middle of the summer with no AC and not have the money to be able to replace it. Saving up for the boring stuff is important <laughs> Important is. too, the boring, expensive stuff. So yeah, I agree. Candace is she's doing the right thing. She's going down the right path. And I like that she's got these buckets. She's being proactive about saving for these eventual expenses that are going to pop up. It sounds like the biggest problem here, though, Matt, that Candace is experiencing is that she's trying to accomplish a lot at the same time. And so she's basically taking the divide and conquer approach, which means that the reality is that she's experiencing progress moving at more of a glacial pace because she's trying to do it all at once and so like sometimes that's the most effective strategy but not always because you're you're often spreading those dollars 
too thin uh, when you kind of take that approach and, and you can start to feel like you aren't making any progress at all. Even though you're making a lot of little progress, uh, you're not seeing big gains. And so that can be kind of defeating from a psychological standpoint. Yeah. She's lost the power of focus. It's kind of like the debt snowball thing, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's not the best mathematical formula for paying off debt, but psychologically it helps keep people motivated and engaged. And so oftentimes people pay off debt faster when they take that approach. And the same thing is true if you prioritize paying for just a few buckets, just filling up a few buckets first instead of trying to fill up a dozen, fill up two or three. And so maybe you can put a couple of these goals on the back burner for just a bit. For instance, I don't know, do you think you get an extra four years out of that car instead of two? That allows you to push more to the HVAC fund. These are the kind of trade-offs that you need to make. And I think, yeah, it just makes sense to prioritize a smaller number of buckets for the time being so that you can see more progress and continue down that path of of, of saving effectively for the things you got to save up for. Totally. Yeah. Or maybe she hasn't gone on a family vacation. She mentioned vacation as being one of her goals as well. Maybe they haven't done that for like in a couple of years, right? And so maybe that is something that she wants to ensure that happens in 2023. Mm -hmm. And so a way that you could do that is just simply hitting pause uh, on like the home renovations bucket, right? You don't necessarily have to drain that bucket just maybe let it sit but just don't continue to fund that bucket and so yeah maybe the cabinets in your kitchen are terrible you hate them <laughs> but those are the trade-offs that you make in order to achieve some of your savings goals sooner than others and honestly like staggering and placing some of these goals ahead of others that is a good move to make from a psychological standpoint as well because man it, like it would be tough to stomach working and sacrificing and like saving for years without the satisfaction of having enjoyed some of the fruit of your labor, you know, only to then simultaneously fill all of your buckets, say like five years from now, (laughs) say in year five, you achieve all of these things all at once, right? You get a new car, you get to go on vacation finally, you renovate the house. That sounds crazy, right? (laughs) I mean, I guess that would be an awesome year, but I think the ability to kind of stagger and spread some of those goals out would just help immensely from a psychological standpoint. It would help you to not get burned out. And it's just like a, I don't know, like a small reward after putting in some hard work. Like when we go on hikes, oftentimes we'll pack like a little chocolate or like a little piece of candy that we call like hiking treats. It's just like a a nice little payoff at the top. And we're trying to also brainwash our kids <laughs> so that they always associate with you know achievement and getting to the top of the mountain with something that they're, they're excited about, namely sugar. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. And spreading out the reward, spreading out. If you're prioritizing a fewer buckets, filling those up first means, yeah, you're going to be able to stagger the benefit. And I think you're right. That's probably really good from a mental standpoint. Also, I would say earning more is something else like to, that's worth thinking about. It's something we talked about recently in episode 623. We offered ideas to maximize your income, but like turning on the earning spigot is something you might be able to do in order to fill those buckets up more quickly. If uh, the the problem is that it's a trickle, maybe you can get a larger stream by increasing the amount that you're able to bring home every paycheck, right? And so, yeah, one other thing, by the way, on top of that, that might be worth mentioning, you might want to invest less for a short period of time, depending on those short to medium term savings goals, right? Which I'll admit this, this is like the, sounds like the antithesis of how to money financial advice. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe it, you should invest less money. <laughs> right. Well, it depends. Like, let's say, let's say uh, Candace is saving something like 20 plus percent of her balance sure, exactly. in the 401k, in the Roth IRA. And she's like, I want to get back there. But for one year, these savings goals are really important. And I want to make sure that I hit them quickly. 
And if that gives you the motivation to like uh, stay the course yep. and to save for some of those things, I, I think it can make sense to dial back some of those contributions. Not so much that you're missing out on like a company match or something like that. The, yeah, uh, and don't scale back that much. Right. And we don't want you to do it <laughs> indefinitely. Uh, but yeah, you, maybe for a short period of time, dialing back on those retirement contributions so that you can focus a little more on saving and meeting some of those goals. I think that can make sense. But that being said, there's a good chance that you could continue stocking those dollars away in something like a Roth IRA, not invest those dollars for the time being, and yeah, uh, consider that your backup emergency fund. So, yeah. well, Keep, keeping it there in like the money market account. Yeah. Or, yeah, not invested in a, in, a, in, in an actual fund. Yeah. And those money market funds, especially with like, I think Fidelity's money market fund is paying north of 4% right now. So that's, that's good. It's kind of like it is invested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In, in some ways it is because savings rates have gone up so much in you know recent months. Yeah. I mean, it makes me think of the expression, Rome wasn't built in a day and saving up for these bigger upcoming needs. That isn't going to happen overnight either. I know it can feel demoralizing, Candice, but you're trying to crush a bunch of uh, big savings goals with a limited amount of resources. Um, and you're not alone. You know, we, we don't want you to get discouraged that it is slow going. And honestly, if you do get discouraged, I think that can be a great way to kind of like, I want you to harness that frustration. And then like, so Joel talked about maybe earning more, but let's say you are totally tapped out uh, as far as the amount of time that you have on hand. Well, the other, like the other side of the equation is cutting back on your expenses. And if you aren't tracking your spending, I think this can be an incredible way to find any leaky spending that might be taking place. Because if you are not spending your dollars in a way that is bringing you maximum satisfaction and maximum value, well, those are some areas that you could potentially trim consider cutting back in some of those different areas. Uh, I think that that could also be a way for you to obviously uh, be able to put some of those dollars towards some mm -hmm. of those goals that truly do matter to you. Uh, but bottom line, you're doing all the right things. And I think that sometimes can feel like trading water sometimes, but hopefully, you know, a, a, f a few small tweaks here can just help you to get where you're trying to go just a little bit faster. Yeah, agreed. All right, Candice, keep up the good work. And hopefully that those few small tweaks can help you kind of uh, make more progress on the things that are most important to you right now while helping you stay energized to continue to meet those money goals you've got. All right, Matt, we've got more listener questions to get to, including a listener who wants to save for his daughter's future. We'll get to that and more right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations 
get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, Joel, we are back from the break, and let's now hear from a listener who is interested in using a 529 plan to juice his retirement savings a little bit. Let's hear that one. Hey, guys, my name's Silas. I'm reaching out from St. Pete, Florida. I had a question about health savings accounts and 529 plans. I know the shows mentioned the tax advantage of an HSA and the fact that you can let your money grow and then use receipts to withdraw money later. With the new tax act, I was intrigued by the change mentioning how a 529 plan in your own name could be rolled over to a Roth IRA after 15 years. I was thinking that this could be used to increase the amount of one's investments that grow tax-free. I discussed this loophole with a family member who works in the financial field, and he mentioned that there's always risk that loopholes like this could be closed due to new policies or new laws. So do you think I should not worry about a potential change that would prevent me from accessing funds as I planned and just go for it? Or should I only use these plans as intended without counting on the loophole to actually work out? Um, Wondering what your guys' thoughts are. Thank you. All right, Matt. Silas, he went a little nerdy with this question, which is great. And I feel like we actually kind of have to pull out our crystal ball and make some predictions uh, a little bit with this question. What does the future hold? (laughs) Signs uh, point to a wealthy future for Silas. Turmoil in the markets. (laughs) (laughs) All sorts of predictions that we could make, but we're not going to. Yeah. Well, all right. So let's let's dig into this question, though. Like, which one is better? HSA or 529 to Roth rollover? Well... Yeah, there's a lot tied up in that question. First of all, in order for this to even be a strategy worth considering, you got to have a higher income. Because if not, you should just contribute to a Roth IRA directly and skip the long, tedious, new 529 to Roth rollover rules that we outlined, I don't know what episode that was in, a couple months ago Mm -hmm. in uh, how we discussed the Secure Act 2.0, all the changes that it was making to retirement accounts. The the biggest impacts on our personal finances, we'll make sure to link to that specific episode. Uh, in the show notes, can't remember it off the top of my head. Though. Yeah, but that one in particular, uh, there was there's just a lot of changes made that affects all of us and how we uh, save and invest for retirement. The 529 to Roth rollover reality just is was the biggest change in our minds, and so we we 
talked about that quite a bit. But you can't contribute to a Roth if your income is over $153,000 filing as an individual or $228,000 if you're married filing jointly. And so if your income is higher than those thresholds, then the 529 to Roth strategy that we discussed in that episode, it might be worth considering. But keep in mind that any rollovers to a Roth are subject to the annual $6,500 contribution limit. They count as contributions. So this isn't necessarily like a way to sock away extra money in your Roth. It's just a way to potentially, potentially gain access to a Roth if your income is higher than the income limits allow for. Yeah, and that's a key distinction because I think Silas even used the words, uh, I want to be able to use this to be able to increase the amount I'm able to put towards my Roth IRA. So it doesn't necessarily do that, mm-hmm. although it does grant you access if uh, formerly you did not have access. Uh, and he also mentioned HSAs at the beginning of his question as well. So let's uh, address those really quickly. Because from a tax standpoint, HSAs or health savings accounts are most definitely the superior account, uh, as they are the only accounts that are triple tax advantage. And actually, there's a there's a fourth tax benefit <laughs> where your contributions can skip out on payroll tax as well if this is an account that is offered through your employer. Uh, so basically, it's a wonderful account when when used properly. Yeah, and one of the best. Uh, we'll make sure to link to an article about how great they are in the show notes again for this episode. So if you're the kind of guy who is organized and you're going to keep up with those qualifying medical expenses in a spreadsheet <laughs> for years down the road, if that's you and you have uh, a high deductible healthcare plan that qualifies you for that HSA, then by all means, make sure that you are prioritizing the HSA. Like literally, there's no other tax advantage account that is as good as an HSA, except for a 401k with a match, because you're getting the best bang for your buck there, because that's quite literally free money that's coming your way from your employer. But beyond that, the HSA is the next best option. Yeah. And so if you're talking about, oh, should I try this loophole 529 to Roth Endeavor instead of the HSA, which is basically the best retirement account known to man, <laughs> given the tax benefits that it, that it has that they come with it, we would say, oh, HSA is definitely the first priority. But yeah. there, there's also no rule to say that you can't do both, right? You can invest retirement dollars within an HSA, and you can invest within a Roth IRA, whether that's directly, right, if your income falls below that income threshold that we just mentioned, or if it's via that 529 rollover. And there's actually a couple of other ways to legally sneak money into a Roth IRA if you normally wouldn't qualify. The 529 rollover is getting all the press, right, lately since those changes have just happened. But there's there's also the backdoor Roth and then the mega backdoor Roth. And the <laughs> backdoor Roth really just allows for you to roll over money from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. And a mega backdoor Roth is when you roll over funds from a 401k to a Roth IRA. These strategies, though, they come with a little added complexity and tax complications. So it's worth looking into the nuance and the details of each of those strategies. But they can help you achieve the goal of having more investment dollars, uh, funneling more investment dollars into that Roth account. Yeah, that's right. And specifically, the uh, mega backdoor Roth is an excellent way to greatly expand the amount of money that you're able to funnel into a uh, funnel into a Roth. So with a 529, again, that's more about access, right? And so it's like a it's a it's like a side effect access. It's like a secondary benefit of a 529 that you can eventually at some point roll those dollars into a Roth IRA. But with a mega backdoor Roth, you can greatly increase the the amount of money that you are socking away into a Roth IRA. And you know, so all of these strategies are dependent on 
the tax code as it currently stands. You kind of touched on this, but uh, like even what we think of as the as the 401k, like it's simply just called that because when the legislation passed back in the day, it was in section 401 and it was listed out on line K. <laughs> and so that like that spelled out the ability for an employer to offer a retirement account to their employees. So bottom line, what I'm saying, I guess, is that any of this could change. Though the longer it's been around, I think the less likely that the government is going to get rid of it. Yeah, the more entrenched those rules kind of become. And like, people become familiar with it, them. They get it used to them. It a little yeah. bit. It's like, okay, no, this this has been around for 50 years. All right, well, this is probably not going to go anywhere. Yeah. And then any politician saying, let's end the 401k, everyone like gets up in arms with pitchforks because... He's going to be real popular, <laughs> won't they? Yeah, they're like, no, you're fired. <laughs> you don't don't get rid of my favorite little retirement account. Totally. But, you know, like, so Silas's family member like does make a good point about the, the 529 to Roth rollover. This is a brand new method. (laughs) And so because of that, the IRS hasn't offered much clarification on a few things just yet. And so the spirit of the law is just to be able to use some of those excess funds to roll into a Roth IRA for the beneficiary, if not all of the funds uh, are used for higher education. But over time, uh, it won't be surprising to see more folks using their, their 529 accounts in different creative ways of folks find some of the different different loopholes. Yeah, yeah, and, but this is brand new. So what I plan around this loophole and assume that it that it's going to be around and that the IRS isn't going to make clarification that would prevent Silas from doing what he wants to do with the 529 to Roth. No, I probably wouldn't. I would at least until it's been around longer and we've seen people use it in that way, I wouldn't bank on this strategy, I'd pick something that's a little more tried and true, right? Because really, it would suck to start funding your 529 account as like a full-grown adult and then get some clarification maybe that would prevent you from using those funds to to fund your own Roth from that 529 in the future. And so for now, go, we would say go with the HSA if you have access to one of those. And if you have money left over uh, on top of it, when used properly, that's a killer retirement account, one of the best. And then 401k and IRA accounts are, are the next tax-advantaged accounts that are that are really worth considering. We'll, we'll de- you know definitely discuss on the show if the IRS does offer more clarification on the 529 to Roth rollover, how that works, who who's eligible, because yeah, I, I, I just, I don't want you to to put all your eggs in this basket uh, in, in a very un, unproven, untested basket. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like pigeonholing your money to a specific purpose or a specific task where it may not necessarily always be an option for you to be able to roll that into a to a Roth IRA. Essentially, it's just not what the 529 was designed for, right? Like the 529 was designed for higher education, but they introduced this this measure to allow you to do something else with that in case you don't use it for what it was originally designed and intended for, right? Like it makes me think of a baseball bat, which baseball bats are designed, like we were talking about soccer earlier, right? So baseball bats are designed to hit baseballs. But what if you don't play baseball anymore, but you still have the bat laying around? Well, you can keep it around your house and you can use it for self-defense in case someone breaks into your house, right? Like that's definitely not what it was made for, but you know what? All's not lost if you don't play <laughs> baseball anymore. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't something I do personally. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that. I I, yeah, have you ever seen Back to the Future? You know, when he goes back in time and he goes, he climbs in through the window. Oh, and it's, been so it's long. like a, there's another family there and the dad comes, oh, fl- yeah, yeah, like, yeah. comes in yep. with a baseball bat and he's just, yeah. <laughs> it, it just made me think of that for some reason. <laughs> but bottom line, that's not what it was designed for. It's there more as a stopgap, it's a way 
for you to to not have to pay that 10% penalty were you to not use that for higher yeah. education. And basically. again, there are other ways for Silas to get money into a Roth. Exactly. He doesn't even have to go that route. So I would say it's just not worth it, you know, given the potential restrictions that could be imposed on that strategy for certain people in certain situations in the future. All right, Matt, let's get to our next question. This one is about saving up money for his little girl. Hi, Joel and Matt. This is Tim from Michigan. I had a question about retirement accounts for my one-year-old daughter. I have seen the custodial account, but I know that you have to have earned income to contribute to that. I'm curious if there's something that I can open for her to contribute funds just directly from me that one day I can turn over to her, whether she's 18 or when she's close to retirement, whatever that might be, that would allow me to basically not have her have a job as she's only one years old. So any sort of recommendations would be great. Love the show. Thanks, guys. Not sure what Tim's got against his one-year-old working, by the way, Matt. <laughs> I think she's ready. Uh, baby modeling uh, or like baby actors. <laughs> yeah. That is a legit way to put it's <laughs> true. to put your, your one-year-old to work. Uh, but bottom, basically, let's keep talking about 529 accounts here because uh, yeah, that's true. You know, it may not be the best option for Silas, our last uh, listener question, but it might be the best option when it comes to saving for Tim's daughter's future. So we've changed our tune on 529 accounts thanks to the added Roth rollover flexibility that we just talked about. We used to basically always steer, not always, but mostly steer people away from 529 accounts because Mm -hmm. of the limited flexibility. But the passage of Secure Act 2.0 it's a different ballgame in 2023 now in, in how we think about uh, 529 accounts in a big way. Exactly. And basically because, Tim, like this is money that he could use for higher education. So you he could essentially put that money away with the intent of using it for you know to pay for college. Yeah. But if that didn't happen to work out, then he's got a fallback option. Yeah. He's, he's got uh, a secondary use for that money without, get, again, getting hit with that massive penalty. Yeah. And again, he would now be using the 529 plan the way it was intended, right? As exactly. opposed to Silas, who's oh, he's kind cr- of... He's cr- those baseballs trying to gain that system <laughs> yeah exactly although we still want to encourage out of money listeners to make sure they're prioritizing their own retirement accounts before they start saving for their kids in a meaningful way right tim your personal 401k and roth contributions they take priority over making uh, contributions to that 529 account for your your young daughter but basically matt for tim like he's wanting to save in a retirement account for his daughter is what it sounds like to me, mm-hmm. which is ambitious given her age. Like that's that's really awesome to be able to start her off that young. You really can help her build an incredible amount of wealth, largely given her timeline and when you're starting. So yeah, you can't contribute to a Roth IRA as Tim alluded to unless he ha- unless she had earned income, unless she was doing some baby modeling, like you yeah. suggested, Matt. If she became like I don't know, like a, a baby Gerber kid or something like that, exactly. Then you know, then she would be able to use the money that she earned and put it into a Roth IRA. But most kids at one don't do that. Child labor is mostly frowned upon. And so that's, you know, it's unlikely to happen for some time for her. But again, before the recent law change, her only other option was an UGMA or an UTMA account. Those came with some downsides too. But now the 529 account is a slam dunk for this goal. That's right. Yeah. Less than ideal for Silas sounds perfect though for Tim. And he can start contributing to that 529 account now. He doesn't have to wait until she starts to work. Yeah. And he probably should. Start yeah, contributing. yeah. And so, uh, Tim, you're going to get a state deduction there in Michigan specifically uh, on your contributions up to $5,000 if you're a single filer. And it's up to $10,000 if you file jointly. And this varies from state to state. So everyone else out there, they can just Google like your state, <laughs> plus 529 deduction uh, to figure out what that dollar amount is. Uh, so for instance, here in Georgia, it's $8,000 if you're filing jointly per kid. But then some states like Texas, 
they don't offer that perk, right? Uh, and so for folks out there who don't have any home state deductions, you don't have that home state advantage for their 529 plans, the good news is that you can go with a 529 plan that's offered by a different state, which is kind of confusing, yeah. but it's kind of awesome. Well, that allows you then to pick the state that has the, the best overall the plan best one with the lowest, lowest investment fees, fees or yep. the best investing options. Morningstar specifically, they always do a great job comparing the, the top plans out there, I think. Utah is maybe yeah. one of the best ones right now. Up there, uh, but we'll but make sure to. There's so many good ones now. They've gotten so competitive, uh-huh. and they used, to, they used to be terrible. There, a lot of them used to be bad, but and so many of them have like gotten like ship shape over the years. And so there's just so many good options, which is awesome access to like Vanguard funds and yeah. the. We're in the modern era now for yeah. awesome five twenty nine. Uh, plans that are offered by lots of different states. But it's even better when you're Tim or when you're us and you live in a state that gives you the state tax deduction for mm. socking money away in there. That's right. All right, but putting that money in a 529, it also means that you can start investing that money for her future, right? So when you sock the money away in a 529 plan, you're not putting it in a savings equivalent plan, especially when you're talking about socking that money away uh, for a one-year-old. You want to invest it into something like a total stock market fund or they have age-based portfolios that you can sock that money into. That allows that money to grow for her future uh, or building wealth for decades to come. And again, she's one. So once she turns 16, you are going to then be able to start moving that money over to a Roth IRA for her if it turns out you might not need that for future schooling endeavors. And that, you know, that 529 uh, plan basically has to been open for at least 15 years. And you can only transfer money that's been in the account for at least five years. It needs like a seasoning period for some of that money. And you're still subject to the annual contribution limits and to that total lifetime cap of 35K transferred into a Roth. But uh, Tim, if you're intent on investing for her future, this is just the best method now, in our opinion, and and it's pretty much a, a grand slam. Since we're using baseball terminology, Matt, there's not, there's just not a better option for were you parents. About to say out slam there. dunk. I was going to uh, say slam, and I'm like, no, that's not. We're going to stick with the baseball. Stick theme. with baseball, right? So, yeah, uh, and on top of that, you might have extra to pay for her education. So it just seems like it's a, a win-win for Tim and his goals and kind of where he's where he's at. That's right. Which, by the way, have, we haven't talked about the new rules that passed with baseball. How do you feel about the the? Uh, there's like a it's like a shot clock for basketball, but yeah. now there's like a pitching clock. I think it's great. Or, I think it's great. Or, or, or where you have to step inside the box to speed the game up a little well, bit. I'll be honest, like my own attention span has diminished. <laughs> <laughs> and so I love baseball, but it needs to be a little quicker. Baseball's on the comeback, baby. Yeah, I hope uh, so. But so one other thing I wanted to mention to Tim as well is... I guess from personal experience, the older I get, the more I question setting aside money for my kids uh, for them to acquire this big chunk of money when they leave home. And I I think one of the things I would challenge Tim to do is to think through what else he could do with that money in the here and now while his kids are still at home. Right. So I'm thinking of like travel or educational experiences, like extracurricular kind of things. Annual pass to the local museum. Yeah. Like things like that, that could just not only enrich their lives now, but just to create memories, uh, but also... I don't know. I say this too. My kids, they're probably, they don't really listen to the podcast, right? <laughs> they are unlikely going to listen to this episode when they're older I'll and, them and, to be, <laughs> and to be bummed out when they hear me say this. But I am more interested, I guess, in doing those kind of things as opposed to setting them up with a large chunk of cash yeah. because part of me also wants but to... But everyone's got their own goals on that front. Everyone's got know? their own goals. Absolutely. But I also want to just be able to preserve their drive and their desire to go out and like kill something and like make something like on their own, like to make, make their way out in the world. Even if I do you know? give them something, I don't want them to know I'm giving them something like, yes. until yes, exactly. the day of, of that gift occurs. I just kind of yep. want to keep it like on the, on the down low. And I, exactly. So I think that's, yeah. Cause you don't want to like, yeah, 
yeah, when you turn 18, there's going to be this giant nest egg coming your way. You're going to be able to buy a Lambo. And you got your kids with dollar signs in their right. eyes. <laughs> <laughs> there's counting down the days. And then, yeah. yeah, it does. I think it, you're right. Like if you if you avoid talking about it for the most part, I think you can help preserve some of that, that drive that you want your kids to have. Exactly. Uh, I, I to, think to that's... To pursue their own goals. And the, old, the older I get, the more I think, I don't know, I think I've realized that that is important yeah. uh, to kind of set them up with the ability to go out and make their own money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think oftentimes that, that comes through just intentional time spent with them. And then again, some of those other things that you can purchase with money, like again, some of those experiences and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But uh, we've got a couple other questions that we're going to get to here right after the break, including we're going to discuss some of the different tax preparation software that is available for folks. We'll get to that plus another right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, Matt, we're back from the break, and we're going to get to a listener here in a second who says, is it too late for me to be investing in stocks? Well, but let's first get to a question from another listener about his taxes. Hey, guys. Sean here from College Station, Texas. Thank you for all the great work on the podcast and newsletter. Your topics have helped me spark meaningful conversations with my wife, kids, and friends. 
I wanted to get y'all's opinion on using free file sites like Free Tax USA or Cash App Taxes versus paid services like TurboTax. I have been a longtime user of TurboTax and have never had any issues. Any solid wisdom you can provide on tax prep websites, tools, practices, scams, and places to avoid would be great. Thanks again, and God bless y'all. All right, so Sean is from Texas, which means he does not get that state deduction that's for right. 529 contributions. So sorry for you and your kids there, Sean. <laughs> yeah, no, that stinks. <laughs> but again, go uh, hit up the show well, notes. States with no income tax, um, they probably are happy they pay no state income tax, but then they also don't they also have don't get that break. That small little tax break because they don't <laughs> need to know. Uh, also, did you notice what Sean said, that he's enjoying the podcast and the newsletter. Oh, you mean the greatest money newsletter in the fi- history of the world, Matt? In all the states. Uh, Sean knows what's up. So for all of you out there who have not checked out the How to Money newsletter, head to howtomoney.com forward slash newsletter. Drops every Tuesday morning. Sign up now. You'll be glad you did. <laughs> but Sean has a tax filing question at this point. Folks, they've only got like, I think a little more than four weeks. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is one of those things that is very much on the minds of a lot of folks who have yet to file their taxes. So yeah. Let's, let's dive in. All right, let's do it. All right, basically, I think what Sean is asking, are different tax filing services better than others? And the answer to that question is yes, but you're not getting vastly different products based on what we can tell. And so Consumer Reports, they tested the online versions of the big name software services a few years back, and they found that they were all pretty similar, like not terribly different. Basically, H&R Block, Tax Act, TaxLayer and TurboTax, those are kind of the big biggest four. Mm-hmm. They all have comparable offerings. They pretty much all have a free option, but it's incredibly limited, really only for the most basic returns. And for instance, like they all include the ability to input your W-2, your unemployment, and Social Security income. But beyond that, like, you know, they're going to want some money. That's all you can do. <laughs> you got to get, you got you to pay for the upgrade, right? And so if you want to deduct charitable contributions or you need to report side hustle income, you're going to have to pony up. You're going to have to pay extra. And so if your return is fairly straightforward, I'd let price be the guide here. And I'd just pay close attention, though, to what they charge extra for and see if that uh, offering really fits your specific situation. Yeah, make sure it fits your tax filing needs. Uh, And so don't forget that folks out there who have an adjusted gross income, an AGI lower than 73,000, that they can file their federal taxes for free uh, via the IRS free file website. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. And actually, one thing to note on that, and, and this is a reason why we are slightly sour on TurboTax, that specific product, is that they've tried to suppress the free file system for years. Uh, and they actually left the program back in 2021. Mm. They offer a good product now. Uh, and this is something that they've done in the past, but we felt that that was at least worth mentioning. Uh, and there are just these different little carve-outs and different things, these little caveats that you have to keep an eye out for. Like, for instance, Tax Act and Free Tax USA. They're both solid, but they charge for filing your state return. And so that's, it's like a little gotcha. <laughs> yeah, you, you get to, to the end. You're keep like, an eye out for. Oh, I thought it was free tax filing. And then it's like, now it's 1999 to file the state. And Which, you're like, that's not a lot of money. I, but you just input all the stuff and you're like, well, of course I'm you're just going to pony up exactly. and be done with my taxes. Exactly. And, but it's, it's annoying. It's the price transparency that, again, we want to make sure that it's something that you are aware of, which is why we're taking this question. <laughs> uh, but basically, folks that have a straightforward tax situation, they can and they should likely file their own taxes. And so if it's mostly a 1040 and you're just taking the standard deduction, then doing it yourself. That is the way to go. Actually, according to data from the IRS, 87% of folks took the standard deduction just a few years ago. A lot of folks do this. So it it shouldn't be too hard. It shouldn't take too, too long. 
if you have a really simple tax return, then free filing it yourself might be the way to go. Yeah. And one more worth mentioning is Cash App Taxes, which offers free federal and state filing, no matter your income. So when it comes to the free file system, we're talking about AGI limits for the free return, but Cash App's offering it for everyone. So I think that's that's definitely a worthwhile consideration. What did it used to be? I think it used to be Credit Karma Tax, and then that's right. and then Cash that's App right. Taxes took that over. I don't they know how it. that transaction they buy it from. So them. Credit Karma Tax used to also be excellent, and yeah. so Cash App got to get all the goodness that yeah. they had already set up for years there. And Cash App Taxes is yeah. totally solid. Granted, they're getting information on you, but so are all the other tax yep. preparing software. So uh, I I think Cash App Taxes has a great product. But let's say your situation is more complex. Your taxes are not incredibly straightforward. You're not taking the standard deduction, let's say, or you're making income in other ways. Uh, you're a crypto investor or something like that. It's smart then to hire a tax pro. And that means like if you're self-employed even, or you've inherited some money, then it probably makes sense to hire a CPA or an enrolled agent who does tax. And so we would say get recommendations from friends, who, who does their taxes? How have they been? Uh, make, make sure that the preparer has experience, that they're like brand new on the block, and they get a few quotes from different qualified individuals. The average itemized federal return plus state will cost the person around 350 bucks. So just know that as you're getting quotes, that's that's in the ballpark, Matt. That's like a... Oh, yeah, I know. extending that metaphor, baby. <laughs> it's like an inside the park home run <laughs> if you can get it for $200 instead of 350 But yeah, just make sure you're not cheaping out on that and hiring someone who's not experienced, doesn't know what they're doing. Hire someone with a track record who uh, knows what's going on in your specific situation too, because that can make a big difference in what you owe. And to make sure you're doing your taxes the right way, everything's above board, and, and that you're too, you're maximizing your... Uh, your tax savings at the same time. So That's Sean, definitely. Yeah. Sean, hope that helps, buddy. Matt, let's get to our next question. This one comes from uh, an older How to Money listener. She's got a question about investing. Hi, my name's Carol, and I'm from Southern California, north of San Diego. And I have a question. We're in the older group of your listeners. We're in our 70s. And my question is, is it too late for us to invest in the stock market? Um, I see prices are down now, um, but we've mainly been liquid and uh, just would like your opinion on, um, should we jump in on this? Thank you. Bye. All right, Carol, uh, great to hear from you. And we are very glad to have you as a listener and here, I think here at How to Money. Carol sounds very young to me. I think we have listeners in, our, in their 80s and 90s too. So I, I don't think Carol's the oldest. But she's also not the youngest because uh, was it a couple weeks ago we had a voice memo from a listener? I think it was... 12? 12 or 13, 11, 11 something or 12, like that, yeah. Maybe 13. But Carol sounds super young, and I think she's got, yeah, I think I think it makes sense for her to be investing at least a little bit in stocks. Yeah, right? it's definitely not too late to invest, but there are some other considerations that you're going to want to make because of the stage of life that you're in, Carol. Mm -hmm. uh, first off, I love that the stock market being down, that it's on sale, is actually piquing your interest because that is the correct reaction <laughs> because so many folks do the opposite, right? They get scared when the market's down and we want how to money listeners to view market downturns like they would a sale at their favorite store, at their favorite retailer. It's a chance to invest at lower valuations, which only enhances your returns over time. And so kudos to you for seeing volatility as a positive thing. Yeah, it's, the, like, it's like seeing something at Costco with the 97 at the end, you know, it's on clearance. <laughs> and I feel like this is the, the time to pounce. That's the mentality. Carol would buy that thing just like I would. And then uh, this is the right mentality to have. Well, depending on what the item is. But. Right, right. Well, so the only thing 
thing that gives me pause with Carol is the f- the term, the phrase that she used, which is jumping in, uh, which makes it, it gives me a slight time of the market gonna, yeah, kind of feel. Only if you could avoid jumping out at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and only if investing was something that you were already planning on doing, Carol. Yeah. If it's a complete departure from your original plan, then I, like it's not something I'm excited about. Like It makes me think back to 2020 when the market tanked that spring at the beginning of COVID. I mean, you and I both, like we were planning to invest that year. I was planning to invest the next year. And we certainly took the ability to buy stocks on sale. We absolutely jumped at that chance. Essentially, we were already planning to invest. And so just the ability to pull some of those future investment dollars into the present, like pulling it from the future, Mm -hmm. uh, knowing that this was an awesome opportunity to buy. So what you're saying, this brings up the question then, is it advisable to be investing in your 70s. doesn't make sense. And we would say yes, but with some caveats because we talk about timeline a lot on the show, right? Knowing your timeline is crucial before you start buying stocks. If you're jumping in and jumping out, that's something we don't recommend. But uh, also too, if if you're thinking of investing for a year or two down the road, well, that might not be the best idea either because valuations, they can dip for months or for years to come. And that can erode capital that you might need in retirement, Carol. And so it's just important to identify what your goals are for this money. Do you absolutely need it within a five-year time frame? Or are you trying to grow it for those later retirement years? Are you saying, you know what, I probably don't need them until between 85 and 95. Are you hoping to, you know, leave those dollars, leave behind a bigger sum to your loved ones? If that's the case, then investing makes even more sense. Oh yeah. If we're talking about generational wealth, where this is money that's going to go on for decades and lifetimes. Yeah. But like, what are these dollars for? What are your goals? Because those specific specific goals are going to impact whether you decide to save or invest them. Yeah. I I think too, whether or not Carol has income as well, that I think that's another question to Mm -hmm. to ask as well, because if she's living off of this money, then it's going to be a little less advisable to invest that money in stocks versus if she's still working and she's talking about investing future dollars. Well, if that was a part of her plan prior to the market going down. I guess she's, she's talking about how most a lot of her money was liquid. So I guess she's talking about investing money that she already has. But that's another question. Not only should you be looking at your timeline, but like you said, Joel, how readily available do you need that money? And something else to keep in mind is inflation as well, because investing at least some of the money you have with a long enough timeline in mind, uh, that'll actually help to protect you from inflation. And fortunately, you can get a solid rate on savings these days and you're in different high yield savings accounts. But even those amped up rates haven't kept up with the price increases that we've seen. And so investing will help you to avoid having your dollars slowly eroded away by inflation. You know, over just a decade or two, not having any market exposure that could Honestly, that could just like smack your dollar silly, <laughs> especially given the current environment. We don't yeah. know where inflation is going to go, but that's it's a nice hedge to at, at least trying to beat inflation. Yeah. And the fortunate position that Carol's in is that she has liquid money that can now be put in places where she can earn higher rates of return on those dollars. We're talking about four plus percent on savings account, five plus percent on CDs. We're talking about I-bonds still paying uh, almost 7%. So there are great ways to make a return on your money that weren't available to people just two years ago. But at the same time, I'd say investing some is probably a decent idea for Carol, depending, like I said, on those goals. And uh, avoiding it comes with other downsides too, like inflation that you just mentioned, Matt. Like You almost inevitably will want to invest more conservatively, though, than what we suggest for younger listeners in the wealth building phase of their lives. An all-stock portfolio is too risky when your investing timeline is shorter. So what should your mix be? Well, again, it goes back to the timeline and goals. It's It, it all depends on those specific things. But 50-50 stocks and bonds 
Sounds like a reasonable choice to me. So you could choose VU and BND. That can be a nice pairing. Those are two different ETF funds you could opt to consider. Don't invest too many dollars, though, and keep a solid cash cushion on hand. Uh, but investing some of those medium-term to long-term dollars, well, that can provide more financial stability for you down the road, allowing you to outpace inflation and, and grow your money for those future needs, too. That's right. So, Carol, best of luck to you, and we appreciate you sending us a voice memo. And again, if you have a question for the show, you can just send us, record that voice memo on your phone and email that over to us, Mm -hmm. and we would love to take your question on the show. The weirder, the better. Joel, let's now get back to the beer that you and I enjoyed during this episode. This was Infrared Eclipse. This is a Creek-style ale with cherries, uh, brewed by Rheingeist there in Cincinnati. What were your thoughts? All right. So, by the way, just for the the beer novices out there, Creek is spelled K-R-I-E-K, and that is a cherry-style sour beer. It it kind of comes from kind of the Brussels region of Belgium. And, man, this was a really, really good example of a Creek-style beer. So much cherry, solid funk levels going on, too. A little bit of oak, perfectly tart. Like, I really really enjoyed this one. This was was really good. So, it's funny that you said it had a lot of cherry. Like, like on the label, it says they've got, like, these little like ratings or sliders or whatever, where they kind of rate the amount of fruit, funk, wood, and sour. And they've got fruit all the way up to like five or six or whatever the the, the most you can get. And I definitely picked up some of the cherry notes, but I, I, I feel like I've had more cherry creeks before. Okay. But for me, what was off the charts was the sour. Like it, yeah. this man, this beer had all the pucker in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great combo. It was really good, and reading the label only made me kind of fall in love with it even more. They're talking about the cherries that they're getting up from, like, northern Michigan. Just, I don't know. Uh, I really like what, what Ryan Geist is doing. It's one of those breweries that I want to visit in person mm-hmm. as well, where it is a brew. It looks like it's an old iron smelting factory oh, yeah. or something like that. The it's location looks great. crazy looking. And I've only been to Cincinnati once for, like, I don't think a I've ever brief, been to Cincinnati. brief time, and I'm like, I want to go back. Yeah. So. Swinging by breweries uh, anytime you're traveling is top of the list breweries uh, when it comes to the, the and, boys over at how to money and hitting up disc golf courses that's that's what i like to do <laughs> when i travel so but matt that's going to do it for this episode listeners can find the show notes with links to some of the the resources we mentioned up on our website at howtomoney.com that's right and if you have found this episode helpful if you perceive value in the how to money podcast we would love it if you were to head over to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts whether that's just hitting that star over on spotify or leaving us a solid fully fledged review over at apple podcasts either way a big thank you in advance for that helps us out helps other people find out about the show absolutely joel that's going to be it for this episode buddy until next time best friends out best friends out It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. 
Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to a Cross Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.